Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to another episode of the Action Network podcast. This is the week number 11 NFL betting pod. I am Chris Raybon of the Action Network. And today I'll be joined by Stucky and we'll break down our favorite spread bets in the Sunday six pack. We'll go over our favorite over under, favorite teaser pick, Moneyline underdog parlay, survivor pool pick, and more. We'll also break down the Thursday night game. But before we do that, just want to remind you guys to be sure to download the Action Network app. You can get real-time odds, uh, bet tracking, and uh, live in-game win probabilities. You can follow all of the Action Network experts on the app. Really great app. So uh, be sure to download that. The improvements that it makes in terms of getting all these betting systems in that we talk about and, and the percentages and just just a really strong app that's been getting better and better and better. So uh, go check it out. And now we will check out the Thursday night football game. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. We have the five and four Pittsburgh Steelers rebounded from that own three start going to take on the three and six Cleveland Browns. Also a bit of a rebound uh, on hand for Cleveland. Cleveland at home favored by three points with looks like 60% of the bets, but only 55% of the money coming in on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The total currently sits as we record this uh, late Wednesday night at 40 and a half with 57% of the bets on the over 53% of the money stuck. How was your week? And uh, when you're ready, get us into uh, what you think of this game. Yeah, what's going on, brother? It was a good week uh, outside of my Ravens just rolling against me. Um, I wanted them to win and not cover, but they were just way too good. Bengals, linebackers, and safeties, way too bad. Lamar Jackson dazzled again. Um, but other than that, it was a very good weekend. But we're on to the next. You're only as good as your next bet. And I have one in this game. And I bet the Browns smaller. I hate betting Thursday Night Football. They came through for me last week at minus two and a half, and I bet them again this week at minus two and a half, paid a little juice at three, it gets a little dicer. This should be low scoring, so every point matters. These teams are very familiar with each other. You know, you do have a home team on Thursday Night Football, which I always do like. Home teams on Thursday Night Football are 102.86 and six against the spread, about 54%, so you have an edge of about a half point historically. In the division, it's not as great. You know, it's 53, 51, and two against the spread, and Freddie Kitchens, the rookie head coach on a short week, does worry me a little bit. But for you trend players, if a road opponent won outright as a dog the week before, you know, going on the road for Thursday night football, which we have here as the Steelers beat the Rams, the home team in that scenario, which would be the Browns, is 14-5 and five against the spread. Small sample size, about 74%, covering by an average of a touchdown a game. So if you guys are looking for some trends out there. But let me get into the matchup. Look, the Steelers have been rolling of late, and you could argue that one of the most important signings of the year has been Minka Fitzpatrick on the defensive side, and their corners are playing really well, although it should be noted Joe Hayden is sick and uh, he didn't practice today. But Minka's played seven games. He's got five picks, two forced fumbles, and two touchdowns. That's crazy for a defender. But 
I will say that the Steelers are benefiting from extreme turnover luck. Extreme. I mean, in their last five games, they have 17 turnovers forced. Do you know what the, the Browns have over that span? Two. Two. So, you know, the, the Steelers are always going to force turnovers because their defensive line gets a ton of pressure. It begs you the question, can the Browns' offensive line hold up? You know, can Mayfield not turn it over? Because those have been two ma- major question marks here. But basically what I'm betting on here is I have the Browns rated slightly better than the Steelers, who are running well. You know, and they've beat – who have they beat? They beat the, the Dolphins. They beat the Colts because Vinatieri missed a field goal with Hoyer after Hoyer came in. They beat the Chargers and the Rams, and their defense line just dominated both of those games. What I'm fading here, though, is Mason Rudolph. You, you always talk about the most important position on the field as a quarterback. He's not playing well. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, the Browns can get pressure. And Baker Mayfield, we've talked about this, is bad under pressure. He's a quarterback rating of 42.3. Uh, among 30 quarterbacks with at least 200 dropbacks, that's 29. Do you know who's only worse? Mason Rudolph. He can't throw it downfield. There's no explosiveness in this offense. Uh, he's running well, and he, just, he fumbles the ball too much. Um, so I'm trusting Mayfield, the better running back, and I think slightly the better overall team at home against a team that is just running really well, a little overvalued because they've won four in a row. But it's been a lot of turnovers and a lot of bad teams. Yeah, so I'll take the Browns. But again, it's Thursday night football. It should be low scoring and close. But I think the Browns pulled out just like they did last week. And hopefully they can score from outside the 10 instead of uh, having to make me sweat inside the 10 where they inevitably won't score. Yeah, this game, it looks like a toss-up to me. I think last week I talked to you about, hey, would you bet the the, the Steelers now? And, you know, after watching them, and and they were impressive against the Rams uh, on defense, but you kind of mentioned it. If the Browns can just be competent, uh, they can beat a team with a good defense, especially at home. And we saw that with the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Buffalo Bills kind of same story. You know, they can they're kind of hot and cold. They have a couple of players on, on offense that can that can pop a big play and, and Singletary and Brown. But if those guys aren't hitting and you know it's a low scoring game, the Browns have enough talent to kind of win out. I like what Kitchens did getting Kareem Hunt and Chubb on the field together because you know Chubb he still got his twenty carries or whatever it was. His you know his high high single-digit team carries, and Hunt still caught a bunch of balls, and I think that's going to help their offense. You mentioned it. For Pittsburgh, it's just where is the, the explosiveness? You know, Juju Smith-Schuster has been quiet. We saw James Washington kind of play a larger role, but throughout his career, it's been kind of – you don't know what you're getting when you, you let go of the ball and throw to James Washington. I mean, the catch rate for his career is, you know, around that 50% mark. So it's a toss-up for me. I, I would kind of lean with you on, on – it will probably be a defensive game. I don't necessarily see a ton of points being scored. It's a division game, so – at this point, I think I feel a little bit better uh, about the, the under in the spot because usually it's a Tomlin spot, but I do agree. I think this team, both of these teams are pretty evenly matched, and Pittsburgh's on the, on the road. The Browns, by the way, haven't beat the Steelers since 2014. As we do every week, let's conclude our Thursday night football breakdown with the coach's pep talk. This week's pep talk comes to us once again from Coach Pete Bell from the 1994 film Blue Chips, and we're dedicating it to the Cleveland Browns because, just mentioned, they should be the better team here. They should be able to get this home win and stay in the playoff race, but we know they have a way about them, so this one's for the Cleveland Browns. Every time we get ready to play, I just want to throw up. So depressed, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm sick of watching you guys play. Just how bad can it get? All right, Stuck, let's get to the main event, the Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right, and of course, for anyone unfamiliar, the six-pack is when Stuck and I each draft our top three spread bets of the week. Our number one pick is worth two points, 
and the others are worse. One stuck, you took a decisive 29-27 lead last week. You also have the first pick, which I almost stole from, or I tried to steal from you later, uh, not even realizing you took it. But uh, let's see, where are you going first for this week 11 card? I'm going to keep it simple here, and I'm rolling with a team that I've been – I faded last week, and I said that they were a fraud, and that was the Bills. But I'm playing the Bills here, minus five and a half, minus six, um, against the Dolphins. I mean, if you remember a couple weeks ago, the Bills were 17-point home favorites against the Dolphins. 17. Now, they didn't cover that game, but that's what that game closed at. And that game was played on October 20th a few weeks ago. Now, all of a sudden, they're only laying five and a half on the road just because this Dolphins team is starting to get love in the market. But if you really look at it, the Dolphins beat the Jets at home, and then they beat the Colts with their third-string quarterback um, and without a kicker. The Colts don't have a kicker, by the way, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But, like, let's not go crazy here. This roster is still ter- is, is awful. Like, their offensive line, their defense line, they, they also – and most importantly, it's a great matchup for the Bills. The Dolphins – and they've been running well in the turnover department. The Fitzpatrick turnovers are coming. Um, but the Dolphins can't run the ball. Not only did they trade Drake, Walton is out. And overall, for the season, they're dead last in yards per carry. Their offensive line stinks. They have no running game. It's basically on Fitzpatrick. Well, how do you beat the Bills? You run against them. You don't throw at them. They don't give up anything deep. There's going to be some turnovers here. And look, this is just – you're getting value on the Bills who lost the Browns last week and people are starting to believe in the Dolphins all of a sudden. Um, you're starting to see them take betting action. The differences in these rosters is so significant to me up front on the offensive and defensive lines. The Bills are also more talented overall. Um, Just under a touchdown here, I feel, is a gift. Um, I played the first half, Bills minus three. I played the Bills minus five and a half. So I'm rolling with the Bills here. I think there's value on Buffalo on the road here uh, against, I can't believe I'm saying it, but a Dolphins team I think is overvalued. Um, This, I mean, this line should be over a touchdown. I mean, it closed 17 which I thought was uh, close to right um, when they played in Buffalo. Uh, so obviously I'm taking the points here with the Bills who match up well because their pass defense is great and the Dolphin and their run defense is weak. We told you about that last week. The Bills are very vulnerable in the run day, but the Dolphins can't exploit that. Um, you know, Dolphins also banged up to uh, give me the Bills here on a bounce back. Uh, they win by a touchdown plus. It's really the market just looking at the Browns and not having a lot of trust in them, and then they beat the Bills, and then, of course, the Dolphins get a couple of wins. I, like, I don't think the Dolphins are tanking. That's one thing I'll give them. I think with Fitzpatrick and those guys, a lot of those guys are just happy to have a job. They're playing hard. you got to give credit good. to Fuentes. I mean, he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, they're just not very good, uh, and you mentioned it. Uh, Bills, they're one of the worst run Ds in the league, and like last week, one of the funnest things to try to figure out for fantasy was like, who's going to be the number two for the Dolphins? Like, we know Bellage is going to be like, is it going to be Laird, the special teamer? Is it going to be Gaskin, who's been scratched all year? Like, and that, they both ended up playing a couple of snaps, but uh, Bellage, I believe, went 20 for 43, uh, which has been pretty much this, the case all year. So, yeah, if you can't run the ball, if you're just throwing it up with Fitzpatrick, and this is a defense that you do not, you do not want to do that against. So, yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, for my first pick, I am going with the New York Jets. You know, team, we actually hit our money line part away last week, I believe, because the Steelers and, and Jets both uh, won. Now the Jets are going a uh, short trip away to Washington. They're one-and-a-half-point dog uh, against a quarterback that hasn't won a game yet. So, you know, I don't exactly know. You know, everyone's kind of just taken for granted that Washington is kind of this, you know, what they are. And they're, all these teams are in the same boat. But this is another matchup where I think the Jets have clear deficiencies. I think, you know, Sam Darnold probably not – 
what most people uh, expected or had hoped for. But the one thing the Jets are good at, and it's kind of the opposite of the Bills, they can play run defense. They are number two in the league uh, in run defense, DVOA, 29% more efficient uh, than the league average. And we know that this is what the Redskins want to do ever since they hired Coach Bill Callahan. Uh, the play volume has been down. The run volume has been up. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, a 50% plus run team in most of these spots. They, they, they have, they're starting a rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, to me, they're just kind of a, a poor man's version of the Jets. Like the Jets have a number, a second year quarterback. They, they stop the run instead of always wanting to run. They're not using their star, their star running back thinks they're not using them enough. They're like the bizarro Redskins. Uh, I think they're the better team in this spot. At this time of the year, I mean, the Redskins are one and eight. The Jets showed a little bit of life. Anytime they play a team, uh, you know, like like a, a team that's kind of in that same bucket, bad team, uh, give me the team taking the points, getting the points. Uh, you know, last week the Jets were getting points against uh, the Giants. This week they're getting points against the Redskins. Again, that run defense, I think, is going to create problems for Washington, who wants to, to, to do that with their rookie quarterback. Yeah, I actually might be on on the other side, but you make good points there. I mean, look, the Jets, they lead the NFL with, what, they're allowing 3.2 yards per carry. Uh, their defensive line is getting a great push every week, which, yes, it should cause problems for the Redskins. But the Jets team is still a, a mess. Darnold has been a train wreck all year except for that Dallas game. Um, and the bye, I think, will really help Haskins and the Reds. I mean, if you're going to have a bye help any team, it's going to be a rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, in a team that's one, I think these teams are about even. So I make it closer to a field goal, mainly because the Jets are also so banged up. I mean, it is crazy. There's something wrong with their strength and conditioning coach. They've averaged 10 more players on the injury report than their opponents this year. 10 on average. You know, you hit, you saw Robbie Anderson hit the injury report today. Lev Bell wasn't practicing. I mean, they are out of linebackers. Their secondary's banged up. Their D-line's going to come to play. Their safeties are great. But, I mean, everywhere else. Herndon just went on IR. I mean, it is bad. The Jets are still a train wreck to me. I think it's a good spot for the Skins. But from a matchup perspective, you make some good points with that Jets run defense because that's the one constant that they've had all year. And you, it's funny because they really are the bizarro versions of each other because who's the team that's always injured inexplicably every year? The Washington Redskins always lead the league in that category. So it should yeah. be not a good game. But, yeah, I, I just like the Jets for that run defense. I think in this situation, uh, you bet on, on, a, on the one unit on both of these teams that's really top tier. Yeah. Um, all right, for my second pick, I, this is one I stole from you. I'm going with the Bucks plus five and a half. It looks like is out there. I'm personally waiting to see if a six pops. But – Look, this line, I played the Bucs, and if you think about it, the Bucs are, what, three and six? They lost the game to the Titans. They should have won. The refs stole it from them. They choked against the Giants, and then they missed a 25-yard field goal um, and probably should have won that game. Um, they lost in overtime to the Seahawks. I mean, this team could easily be six and three. The Saints last week was one of the most shocking outcomes, and I was on the Falcons. But their offensive line fell apart. And I know Pete has been playing well, but he's going to be out for a while. Lattimore looks like he's going to be out. That's big. You know, that is really big because they're going against a, a dynamic wide receiver duo in Godwin and Evans. And without Lattimore, they don't have the best cornerback depth in New Orleans. And so, look, this line, and look, two, two things that Tampa does really well. They defend the run and they defend opposing backs. You know, I think they're number one in the NFL in defending opposing oh, yeah. backs out of the oh, backfield. Yeah. So they contain backs really well. So they're going to contain Kamara. Now, they cut Hargreaves, and people are like, oh, it's the number one corner first-round draft pick with the Texans picked up. That's how bad the Texans secondary is. Hargreaves has been a disaster. The first time they played the Saints, he was targeted five times. He gave five catches for 100 yards. 
So that's not a big loss. And his effort, he wasn't, he was getting benched. They're still not going to be able to cover Mike Thomas. Just throw that out there. No one no, does. No doesn't one. matter. Doesn't matter. So, but the, the Saints are still lacking other weapons outside of Kamara, who the Bucs can contain, and Thomas, who's going to go off every week regardless. But their other receivers need to step up. And you saw that last week. But I think that the Bucs, look, and what this comes down to, to me, is the Bucs, I think, it creates some pressure up the middle like the Falcons did, especially without Pete. They're going to have who, I don't know, Clapp or Easton in there. Uh, Clapp, and his, yeah. He was bad last week getting run over, um, which led to all those sacks. I think the Falcons had six sacks, had seven sacks in the year coming in. Um, but I, I told you, towards when Drew Brees took over, I only had the difference between Brees and Bridgewater as like one or two points. I had to keep adjusting it, and it didn't make sense to me, but I had to keep doing it. So if you look back, I played the Bucks plus three at New Orleans. Now they're catching five and a half at home. Yes, it's with Breeze, but it's only a point or two difference. That's crazy to me. I mean, that's a six-point swing. And what really has changed? Lattimore is out. Their, their offensive line is now missing its starting guard. And the Bucks kind of look the same as they did then. I mean, I don't think that much has changed between these two teams since then. So uh, I think there's a lot of value with the Bucks here. There's a lot of perception on, you know, the Saints are going to bounce back, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think that the Bucks can cover this game. They're going to have a lot of success through the air, especially without Lattimore. Uh, this will be your typical Bucks game. And look, we say it all the time, backing Jameis as a dog, one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, and this is another classic spot where, you know, the everyday public might kind of have different, a different perception of these teams because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you kind of mentioned some bad beats. You know, when a team that's like the Bucks, a 30% or less cover rate against the spread in a given season, goes against the team that's been covering at a 50% clip or more, and that was all pretty much all Teddy Bridgewater just undefeated against the spread, uh, you know, from week six on, the, the team that's not been covering, the team that's been 30% or less, has covered 62% of the time. So this is a spot where the books make their money, uh, you know, for, for everyone out there that kind of wants to be, on, you know, on the side of the books. And if you look at the betting percentages and the money percentages in the Action Network app, it kind of tells a story of New Orleans potentially struggling. Uh, and remember, this is a road game for them, which they, they tend to have letdowns. But, you know, first of all, with the spread, you have 57% of the bets uh, backing New Orleans, but only 36% of the money. And then you look at the total, which I think is indicative of, okay, well, if something's not going to go as expected. What's going to happen? You have 66% of the bets on the over 50, uh, but only 24% of the money. Uh, so what that tells me is that some people with some big money on this game probably see the Saints struggling on offense. And I think, yeah, Andrews, Pete, and, and the fact that the Bucks are not only number one in run defense, DVA, but uh, they're, they're limiting backs in the pass game as well. Uh, does spell trouble uh, for the Saints. So yeah, that's I I totally like this pick. Uh, this is like the, the Bucks can win any game. They're they're good enough to win any game. Uh, they're bad enough to lose any because of that defense. But that's why we love them as a dog and right. not so much as a favorite. Right. Speaking of dogs, for my second pick, I'm gonna go with a a large dog. I just think it's too many points in this spot, especially considering how banged up their uh, opponent is, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. Shocker. Raybon's betting on Kyler Murray. But listen, this is this Cardinal team, another another one of those teams that they can win most games they're in. Uh, they could also lose anyone, but they, they're a pesky team. You know, they haven't really been getting uh, blown out these last few spots. Uh, they've been pretty competitive, even in that San Francisco game where it looked like uh, they were going to be out of sorts. They really got nothing going on offense uh, for, for a half, and they still managed to kind of stay in that game, take advantage of some San Francisco injuries. You know, Quan Alexander went out in that game, really hurt the, their defense, and Arizona was able to exploit that with backs in the, in the running game and, and get some crossers going. And now San Francisco is just even more banged up. I mean, 
Alexander's out. You have the, the O-line still bang, banged up. check is back. But you have Emmanuel Sanders, game-time decision. George Kittle, game-time decision, which would be key because we know how the Cardinals uh, fare against tight ends. And Matt Breida, of course, you know, seems to be on the injury report every week. Looks like he's actually going to miss this game. So you're getting a thinner 49er team. Uh, short week just came off. Where, where are Kittle? What, what is the last you've seen with Kittle and Sanders? Where are they trending? I, I was reading that tr- that Sanders is probably trending to out, and Kittle, I mean, he hasn't practiced. I wouldn't yeah, be no, they're, they, they're calling them game-time decisions, but, yeah, like, when I – like, it looks like they're going to miss, but you never know. You know, it's – again, we record this on Wednesday. I uh, hate to give anything definitive or anything like that, uh, but I just think, you know, the, like, the fact that they're banged up in general – uh, and they struggled with this team, you know, with those guys healthy and with San- and with these guys playing a big role. I mean, Sanders uh, was winning consistently on Patrick Peterson, was able to get over 100 yards in that game. George Kittle scored a touchdown, uh, broke a couple tackles. So, you know, without these players, I, I think this is a lot closer of a game, uh, you know, for these Arizona Cardinals who are getting better, getting a little healthier. They'll, they might have all three of their backs now with uh, Chase Edmonds looks, looking like he's nearing a return. And, you know, this is going to be a competitive team. You know, do they, do they win the game? Probably not, but... Uh, I think they can keep it within uh, the 11 and a half that they're catching. So uh, like the Cardinals in this spot, expect them to kind of improve as the year progresses on the football field. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury has been willing to kind of make some adjustments when necessary. He's gone with heavier personnel, things like that. Well, well, on the other hand, the 49ers, I mean, they started about as well as anyone could imagine. But against nobody, they weren't really yeah, playing anybody. Right, exactly. So it's like, it's like you're going to kind of see, I think both of these teams regress to the mean a little bit. Uh, I, I just think this is too many. For, for an Arizona team that kept it close with a bunch of San Francisco's key players playing a big, a big time role. Yeah, I would tend to agree, especially if, you know, Kittle and Sanders are out. You mentioned that, that first game when they played, Sa- Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle were targeted 17 times. They had 13 catches for 191 yards and two touchdowns. That's significant. And especially considering the Cardinals can't cover tight ends one of their weak points so if you're missing Kittle which is one of the most important pieces of the San Fran offense that's going to be a huge missing piece and then we've talked about this before why the addition of Sanders is so big is the on the outside at San Fran you know you have Kittle and they're running and it's not much it's very young and raw and you know Debo Samuel is he shouldn't be a number one receiver yet Pettis stinks yeah I mean so they didn't have a number one and that's why Sanders you know him coming in is really going to help them um by the way your boy Jimmy G has more turnovers and touchdowns this year just throwing that out there so (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you, If especially if Kittle and Sanders are out. I'm actually going to look at this under. Um, but one thing to keep an eye on is Arizona is running the ball as well as any team in the NFL. And one of the reasons for that, if you look at a lot of advanced metrics, and Kyle Murray's having a hell of a year. Him throwing downfield, he's been one of the best quarterbacks throwing it deep. But they spread you out. So then, you know, it's when they do run it, you're spread out, and they're having success doing that. And one of the weaknesses maybe of the San Fran defense, it's hard to tell because they didn't play a lot of great teams, is their run D. Their past D they've shown, and I've, I'm a believer now it's elite, because not only is their secondary playing really well, but their pass rush is elite, and those two things complement each other. Um, but their run defense looks a little vulnerable. It's a, you know, maybe a, a case of the Patriots, you know, how they were playing nobody, and you know, we knew that their run defense was a little vulnerable. So look out for the Cardinals potentially, you know, especially if they're their full stable of backs back. You know, they might be able to exploit that too. So, yeah, especially if Kittle and Sanders banged up, I agree with you here. For my third pick, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons once again, catching five and a half in Carolina. Um, look, this Falcons team, something happened. And I was reading all these good quotes all week about, but you always read them. But it, it seemed like something was different, which is one of the reasons why I bet them against the Saints. Um, and 
their defensive line finally showed out, and they've been banged up in the secondary. Their secondary is still iffy, but it's going to obviously get better with experience. But their defensive line dominated. Um, and I think it can have a lot of success here against Carolina. But mainly what this is, and, and Atlanta's run defense has actually been good because their front is really good. Their middle linebacker, their front. Yeah, with Davison, McKinley, Grady Jarrett is just a monster in the middle. So they've actually been Deion Jones at middle linebacker. They've been good against the run. I would Look, I drove the bus on the Kyle Allen bandwagon, and we cashed with it. But let's take a look back now and see what Kyle – it's not great, guys. Kyle Allen has been inaccurate. He has more turnovers and touchdowns. That killed him. Um, you know, and you got unlucky in that because you had the Panthers last week. And yeah. even though Allen was bad, they, the refs were awful in that game. Um, and they almost still covered. But, look, Kyle Allen, there's a lot of worrying statistics. He was going into last week, he was leading the NFL in turnover-worthy throws. I mean, this is a league with Mitch Trubisky in it. So he's been getting lucky as well. And he's not been accurate in his deep ball, which is one of the things that I would have liked from him. When he's not throwing the Christian McCaffrey – subpar so it's a fate of Kyle Allen as well and look we've talked about this all year the Panthers run D stinks and I can't figure out I mean I know it's like a run funnel D and they're the way that they play in their secondary it's why their secondary is so good and they don't give up a ton but the Falcons are going to get theirs even without Hooper um, and with Matt Ryan but the Panthers run D has been bad all year arguably the worst in the NFL so I think the Falcons are going to be able and they committed to the run last week I think they're going to be able to run it set up the pass with Ryan and their talented receivers. They'll miss Hooper a little bit. But I think the Falcons keep this close. Wouldn't be shocked uh, if they win the game. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the reasons I have. I'm pretty high on Brian Hill this week in fantasy. Yeah. Freeman uh, wasn't doing anything, by the way. He was averaging three and a half yards per, per attempt. Right. Like, you're just looking for volume here. And it's kind of a situation similar to Miami in terms of the usage where we saw Hill get 20 carries last week when Freeman went down. Barner, they, don't, he, they think of him as a special teamer, so he got one. Allison, the rookie, has been inactive all year, so this will be his first action. I think they will commit to Hill. And he was – let's not forget, Hill had a great preseason to the point where uh, there was some thought that he was going to, to win that number two job from Ito Smith, who, of course, is now on IR. So I think the Falcons match up decently well. Uh, the Panthers have been getting kind of some unlucky breaks too, but, yeah, I think the Falcons, uh, they look like they've turned a the corner. I mean, it was, it was getting bad out there with Dan Quinn and – Arthur Blank, of course, didn't didn't fire him and kind of kept him through the bye. And obviously, something happened. So, uh, you know, I'm actually looking forward to, to watching this game. I think it'll be a, a good one. And the Falcons are probably the right side. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up to you. That you're, or I was guessing that you were going to be high on Hill because um, I think he's going to have a big day and the, and the Falcons are going to feed him. And that was their success last week, to keep the opposing offense off the field. And by the way, they signed a kicker who I liked. He was cut by the Chargers coup. So he's going to help too. But yeah, I mean, this Panthers team, and, and look, the other thing is, is that this Panthers team, there's a lot of, there's more Kyle Allen regression coming. I'm just telling you with turnovers and interceptions. And this game is like for the Panthers season, right? Given the division that they're in, they're five and four, they're at home. All the pressure is on Kyle Allen. The Falcons, Matt Ryan and company, they can come in here and they're just playing easy and free and spoiler like they did last week. So I think with the young quarterback, you're going to see him break here. Um, I think the Falcons went out right. Where are you going with your third pick? I mean, I'll just, I'll just say this. Like, I, I obviously, as somebody that, you know, does this fantasy thing and makes projections every week, I will tell you, the one way you don't, you don't cover this bet, like probably the most likely way you don't cover, is if Christian McCaffrey goes for approximately 5,000 yards. Yeah, which is always possible against yeah. the Falcons. Um, that's really the only that's, – that, that's the thing, I think, that – Especially you know, out of the backfield. Because, I mean, the good thing is the Falcons get a good push. And they defend the run well. Their secondary has been decimated, but I don't know if they have anyone that can cover McCaffrey, especially out of the backfield. And that's who 
Alan loves throwing to more than anyone and wouldn't anybody. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That's, that's always the Fun fact though, uh, for the first time, and I believe it's since 2015 when Dan Quinn took over as the head coach, you know, obviously big impact on the defense. The Falcons do not lead the league in catches allowed by running backs. They're actually way down at number 26. So as you mentioned, some, some kind of change with that scheme and that front. And they're playing a little bit differently. Obviously, the injuries, teams are attacking them more. Uh, yeah, they're down. playing more man. They're playing a different yeah. scheme too, which will help against backs. Um, so um, maybe that will help a little bit against McCaffrey because they are playing much more man than they have in the past. As Quinn comes from that Carroll tree. For my third pick, I'm going with a team that let me down. Went to London and laid a complete egg. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I still think this team is a little bit undervalued. I think this is uh, one of the, you know, one of these teams in the AFC that's kind of uh, middle of the pack and another one of those teams that's kind of capable of winning any game they, they, they set foot in. They have a solid defense. They can get pressure. Uh, you know, even with uh, you know, losing Jalen Ramsey, they still have A.J. Bouye, uh, a really good running back that can pick up yards. You know, I know he hasn't really gotten to the end zone in Leonard Fournette, but um, he can kind of carry you up and down the field. And it looks like they're getting D.D. Westbrook back, which is big because you, you look at D.J. Chark, who's having an outstanding season, and even his numbers kind of dipped a little bit without Westbrook. Uh, you're also getting Nick Foles back, who obviously I think Gardner Minshew exceeded all expectations, but I think Nick Foles is still, you know, there is a reason that they kind of went out and got him. I mean, his brief action this year, he played really well uh, before going down. And I think uh, it's, it's kind of like a lot of people don't really know how to approach this game. You know, it's like Brissett probably will be back for Hoyer. So there's a lot of uncertainty with both quarterbacks. But, uh, you know, healthy, I give Nick Foles an edge over Brissett. And this Colts team, they're another team. You know, they're capable of winning games. They're well coached. They, you know, we saw that against the Kansas City Chiefs when they got a close victory against the hobbled Mahomes. But this team also has a lot of downside. We saw that against the Miami Dolphins not being able to kind of pull out that game. Uh, they're banged up. They're without T.Y. Hilton, which I think is big. And a bunch of other receivers, too. I mean, they're receiving court. Oh, yeah. I mean, they signed Marcus Johnson, who pro- most people probably don't even know who that is, but. They signed Marcus Johnson, who was on the team last year, uh, played a few games, and uh, he immediately slotted in and played 86% of the routes last week because I, I look at this stuff for fantasy, so I'm always up on these, like, route numbers. And, like, he played 86% of the routes. This is a guy who signed off the street. T.Y. Hilton's still out. Uh, you have Paris Campbell out, as you, you know, as you alluded to. When you have these coin flip games, you have kind of teams you look at, okay, they're evenly matched. Then, to me, it just comes down to who can, who's more likely to convert a third down, you know, in a, in a key situation. Is it Nick Foles throwing to, to Chark and Westbrook, you know, with, with Fournette potentially out of the backfield? Or is it Jacoby Brissett throwing to Jack Doyle, maybe Eric Ebron, who got 12 targets and didn't do much? Like, it's, I, I think the Jags have enough of an edge in the passing game. Uh, you know, coming off a, a, bad, a bad loss, a bye, uh, I think they should be a little bit um, – they, they, should, they should come out of the gates firing in this one. Uh, the Colts a little bit out of sorts. Uh, I think people will overrate uh, Brissett returning. By the way, I, I, I lost all, all of my, I said I lost all my survivor entries on the Colts against Chiefs. I had one left, and I lost it on the Colts against the Dolphins. Oh, my God. By the way, they've played every single game this year has been one possession. Every single game has been decided by one possession, the Colts. And it's the only team in the NFL, obviously, that has done that. But, you know, they can beat or lose to anyone. But I think that they – we were saying that they were a good team, a, a, bad, a shitty team – what was my word? A shitty team that's well coached. But then yeah. last week – Frank Reich's, you know, calling timeouts so he doesn't get the ball back. I mean, just there was bad, even bad coaching. And they don't commit penalties. They don't really hurt themselves when it's not Hoyer throwing picks. But this team's bad. Um, their offensive line is really good, and they can run the ball a little bit. But you can run on them. Um, you know, Desir and their secondary is still banged up. And it's just not a great team, especially when their weapons on the outside 
are banged up. It's, they can't stretch the field. It doesn't open up anything else with your tight ends and everything. I mean, it's the same shit that's going on with the Eagles. But And, and also, you got to remember, the Colts don't have a fucking kicker. I've been screaming all year, how do you not cut Adam Vinatieri because he used to make kicks? I mean, there's going to become a time when Justin Tucker is going to have to go do opera, and that's going to be fine, and the Ravens will cut him. Um, and, and, you know, just like the, the Patriots would. I mean, this is crazy that you're just holding on to him because he used to make kicks. So that's another factor, too, because that basically cost him the game last week. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think the Jags win this game. Yeah, it's Vinatieri. I mean, think of it this way. He's been one of the, he's been one of the historically great Patriots kickers, and they re- got rid of him years ago. Years ago. Yep. So, um, yeah, the, the Colts are kind of they, – they, they, they were kind of riding that high of, you know, Brissett playing well over those first few weeks. And I, I think he's a solid quarterback, but this team is not it, – it's a team that was largely carried by the brilliance of Andrew Luck, and you're starting to see some holes get exposed uh, without Luck there. All right, so that does it for our Sunday six-pack. Stuck has the Bucks plus five-and-a-half, the Falcons plus five-and-a-half, and the Buffalo Bills – as a six-point road favorite in Miami. I went with the New York Jets at a point and a half, the Jacksonville Jaguars plus two and a half, and the Arizona Cardinals plus 11 and a half. Now let's jump into our favorite over-under of the week. All right, Stuck, since you uh, started us off with the Sunday six-pack, I'll go first with my over-under pick. I I like the Bears-Rams under this week. The Bears under in general has been pretty profitable, but uh, you just look at the Rams, and first of all, I know Vic Fangio is gone, but this the Bears' defense is really the defense that kind of gets credited for, I guess you could say, down, the, the, like the downfall of the Rams' offense uh, because, you know, they started playing those six-man fronts and kind of limiting some of the outside zone stuff. Rams continue to be banged up on, on the O-line. You know, we saw that in a game against Pittsburgh where, granted, it, it's a good defense, but so are the Bears. A normal Rams team should be able to outscore that Pittsburgh team playing the way they were uh, last week. Uh, didn't happen for the Rams in this spot. And then on the other side, you have the bears who I don't think they got a first down in the, what was it? The, the third quarter or the fourth quarter last week or something like they're, they're struggling. They, they played a, a Matthew Staffordless Lions team and, you know, kind of struggled to really gut out a victory. there. scored only 20 points in that one against the Lions defense. That's been vulnerable. I think this Rams defense is stronger with Jalen Ramsey. I think, um, you know, Wade Phillips obviously will be able to, uh, you know, to draw up something, kind of match Matt Nagy and his creativity because he's really, I mean, he's got less and less to work with. It seems like every time Mitch Trubisky throws an incompletion. So, yeah, both of these teams struggling on offense. I think it'll be another one of these defensive uh, defensive showdowns, uh, unfortunately, in primetime for those people that, that like points. But uh, I'm going with the under under 40 and Bears-Rams. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with this. Bear, the Rams defense is playing really well, and it's Mitch Trubisky and the Bears can't run the ball. These are two top five run defenses, by the way. And the Rams' offensive line is a disaster. I uh, haven't seen his out. He wasn't any good. Blythe moved to center. They have new guards. You know, you have kid. They tra- the Browns traded for nothing. Corbett is in there. You have a guard now, a tackle. Whit- Whitworth is getting older. I mean, it's a disaster. And anytime they play a team that can get pressure, and the Bears can, their offense doesn't do anything. And Goff under pressure is horrible. He needs time to set his feet. He's a mechanical throw. And look, the last five games, look at the Rams. They played three teams that don't get a lot of pressure. Cincinnati, Seattle, Atlanta. They averaged over 27 points per game. The two teams they played that get pressure, the 49ers and the Steelers, they averaged five offensive points per game. They scored one touchdown and one field goal. So I think the Bears will be able to get pressure. I don't think either team's going to have a ton of success running the ball. This is a rock fight. I think that the Rams eventually pull it out just because they have more talent on the outside and they're at home. I think it could be a big day for your boy Cup. 
And uh, I think that might be the difference. And, and again, it's it's Mitch Trubisky on the road. So I think the Rams pull it out, but yeah, it should be ugly. I agree with you on the under. I played the first half under uh, 20 and a half. We'll probably be adding the uh, full game under as well. All right, for my total, I'm also going with an under. I'm going Patriots, Eagles, under 44 and a half. I also like the first half under. I'll be splitting that. I'm seeing if it gets back up to 45. Look, I, what the Eagles have to do, and we talked about this with Deshaun Jackson being out, their offense just isn't explosive anymore. And it, everything is clogged in the middle. You can focus on Ertz. They can't do much. So what they have to do, and their defense has a lot of questions, especially in the secondary. So what they have to do is try and be a ball control offense, lead the clock, keep, the, keep their defense off the field. And that's what they've been doing of late. And that's what I think they have to do against the Patriots. And their offensive line, the Eagles offensive line is excellent. You know, by, I think pro football focus rates them number one in run blocking uh, in the NFL. And, you know, so I think that they can get pushed. They can keep drives going, but they're not going to have much success in the red zone. And this is the type of game that the Patriots defense thrives in, right? It's not Lamar Jackson. It's not a mobile quarterback. And there's not explosive receivers on the outside. You might even see Gilmore on Ertz, but they can just play blanket, man, cover zero, and bring pressure. Their run defense is still a little vulnerable, and the Eagles can have some success on the ground, but ultimately the Patriots can play how they want to play in this game and just smother the receivers on the outside. And look, they, they even signed Jordan Matthews back to receiving. I mean, Matt Collins has played, what, 198,000 straight snaps without a catch? Um, it's <laughs> bad. You know, and I mean, Jeffrey's been banged up, but he's a step slow now at his age. So it, it's a bad situation. It's a perfect matchup for this New England secondary for them to load the box. And the other side of the ball, the New England offense just still isn't right. It's still off timing-wise, and especially in that offensive line. I think they'll get it together by the end of the year. They have one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, and they'll start to gel. The, I think the Eagles' defensive line, which is excellent, can get some pressure, throw Brady off of his game. He's going to have some success moving the ball against the secondary. But I think this is ugly, lower scoring. Now, I want to throw this out there. The Patriots are coming off of a loss and a bye. The Eagles are coming off of a bye as well. The Patriots went off of a loss with Tom Brady at the helm. And this is ridiculous. After a loss are 28 and three against the spread. 28 and three, covering by a margin of almost a touchdown a game. 28 and three, 90%. You know what they are on the road? 20 and two against the spread after a straight-up loss. I actually faded them in one of these spots last year, which was their last loss and one of their only ones at the Steelers late in the year. I think they won like 17 spots in a row like this. So they're going to be mad. Brady's been talking about the Super Bowl they're still pissed about. I'd be very afraid of the Patriots here. It doesn't matter how many people are betting them. I mean, these are the types of games they cover. Uh, but I, I, I like the under in this one. Don't, like, don't love the favorites usually, but – yeah, I might, I might have to, 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 lay, to lay some money with the Patriots because I really like the spot. And we always talk about their under, especially when they go on the road. Since 2016, they're 21-6 and six toward the under when they go, go on the road. And uh, you really start, you're really starting to see that take hold with, with how good this defense is and, and all the different things they can do. So, yeah, I think that the only real worry here is probably the Patriots, you know, getting over on that, that Eagles defense that uh, should play better, but, you know, with being healthier. But if, they, if the Patriots can kind of do some things – on the back end, which doesn't appear as likely without Gordon. So, you know, they'll probably be a dink and dunk team and the under should hit. So I think it's the right, uh, I think it's the right call. 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. And let's now get into our weekly teaser segment. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. All right. So here's where we each take our favorite six-point two-team teaser, which means you get six extra points toward the spread uh, in exchange for a slightly reduced payout uh, if you go and uh, attempt to make these bets at your sportsbook of choice. Who are you teasing this week? I am going. I already mentioned the Rams. I think they get it done in an ugly one. I'll take the more talented offense and not Mitch Trubisky at home. Um, so teasing them down to a pick and then also teasing the Jags uh, from a field goal over a touchdown. I think they're two and a half, three up to eight and a half or nine. Like I said before, I think the Jags win and the Colts have played every single game this year has been decided by one possession. Uh, I don't think they have the ability to blow out the Jags. So uh, I'm going with Rams Jags. Yeah, I actually like the Jags too. I'm going Jags Jets uh, again, just another team. Like I don't see Washington blowing out anyone. I don't see, I don't know if I see Washington winning this game uh, against a great run defense. You know, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins hasn't yet. I think the key for Washington would probably be to get their, their guy, Terry McLaurin loose against that Jets secondary because the Jets have been really good uh, in the slot. Uh, and, and that, so the, the Redskins really need to kind of throw the ball outside the numbers down the field. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. So like the Jets chances of not getting blown out and you already hit on it with the Jags. All right, so there you have it. Stuck going with the Jags and Rams. I am going with the Jags and the New York Jets for our weekly teaser. And now let's get into our underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, Stuck. So we finally got back on the, uh, on the board here, both hitting our, our Moneyline picks at the same time. You had the Pittsburgh Steelers. I had the New York Jets, both of them. Won their football games. If you had bet that, you would have gotten a $478 profit off a $100 bet. So we got to keep it going. Where are you looking on the board? Uh, it's a pretty ugly card, but uh, there's some pretty good uh, underdogs on the, on the slate. Yeah, I've said it before. I think this is a bad Kyle Allen game. I think you're going to see a resurgent Falcons team down the stretch. I'm taking the Falcons here. I think they get another upset win. Had to find a way to, to get the Bucks in here. So they're going to be my uh, money line pick this week. So there you have it. We both uh, have these NFC South underdogs, Bucks plus 205, Falcons plus 200. If you bet this money line parlay, you would get a payout of $815 on a $100 bet, meaning you'd win 915 uh, in total. So uh, hopefully we uh, continue to hit in this spot, and the, these teams that uh, won as underdogs come through for us uh, again this week. Now let's quickly cover the best of the rest, which are all the games that didn't make it into any other segment. All right, so first up, uh, I'll just get this one out of the way. We have the Dallas Cowboys, three-point favorites at the Detroit Lions, total at 51, but this one is really off the board as we record this. Uh, there's some uncertainty regarding whether Matthew Stafford will indeed uh, make his return. So any, any leans on this one, uh, you know, either way? It's obviously going to come down to whether or not Stafford plays, which we're going to have to wait for. Um, but I do think that the Cowboys, as long as their play calling is not as asinine as it was 
last game, I, I do think that they can have some success moving the ball with Dak and throwing it. And oh, yeah. Zeke, Zeke doesn't look right, but look, their, their offensive line is really good. The Lions don't get any pressure. So Dak's going to have all day to do what he wants. So I think that the Cowboys, as long as their play calling doesn't go off the rails again, like it did late in that game against Minnesota, um, I don't think that the either team will have any trouble moving the ball. But the Cowboys offense is just much more dynamic. They do have the running piece, which the Lions have none of. So I would favor the Cowboys here getting it done, but obviously it depends on Stafford. So keep an eye out for uh, our betting guide, which will have tons of info on that game um, and updated injuries and, and analysis and any bets that we like. Yeah. You know, just looking ahead to the playoffs, like the Cowboys are a dangerous team because they, they, they can run the ball. They can, they have a good old line. They can play solid defense. You know, they'll have letdowns here and there, but I think if they put the ball in Dak Prescott's hands, and maybe you couldn't say that in these previous couple of years, but if they put the ball in Dak's hands and say, this is who we are, we're a team that's going to throw the ball 40 times to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Cobb, you know, Elliot, all those guys, this is a dangerous team uh, come playoff time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, with the play calling, because I do like the upside of the of the Dallas Cowboys. The, the next game is one that should be a really good one. Houston traveling to Baltimore. The Ravens four-point favorites. The total is 50 stuck. The, the, the Houston Texans are usually a team you want to bet when they're a road for underdog. Any, any interest in the Texans, or are you back in your Ravens after they let you down by covering? So they didn't really let you down, but, uh, you know. Yeah, that was the first time they let me down all year from a bet perspective. Um, look, I mean – the Texans do have a bye coming into this, which helps when you're preparing for a unique offense such as the Ravens. And their run defense has actually been really good. Now, obviously, they're going to miss Watt the rest of the year. Uh, but they've been really good against the run, and they've been really good against covering tight ends, uh, which are two things you need to do against the Ravens. Now, I don't think they're going to be as good against the run going forward without Watt, um, who's worth a couple points to the spread. Uh, and the, you know, the Ravens have an excellent offensive line. It's what no one really talks about, especially from a pass-blocking perspective. But on the other side of the ball – you know, the Ravens secondary is so good now. And I told everyone about Marcus Peters. He has two touchdowns now. Um, with him, Jimmy Smith back, and, and Marlon Humphrey, they're one of the few teams that can match up with the Texans on the outside. But one of the things that you worry about is the Ravens' run defense. And it's been vulnerable, and especially when Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams have been out. And it looks like Pierce is going to be out for maybe a couple weeks. Now, the Ravens did credit Eric DaCosta. He went out. He signed – uh, DeAnthony Thomas last week to improve the return game because Cyrus Jones just wasn't getting it done. Iman Marshall also came off of IR. The Texans have been really, really good, really good running the ball all year. Very productive. And that's been the Ravens' weak point. You can run on them, especially when Pierce, Pierce went out last week and the Bengals had some success running the ball. Um, so it doesn't look like Pierce will play. Pecco's going to come in. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. He's going to be in a new scheme, insert him, you know, first week. So maybe the Texans can have some success running the ball. It's going to be up to Watson to make some plays. I think the bye week does help a lot here preparing for the Ravens. The Ravens are really good and it's hard to play them for the first time. I think the Ravens find a way to win. The line looks about right. Should be the best game of the weekend. Probably lean the Texans getting the points. Deshaun Watson, small sample, but eight and three against the spread as a road underdog and Lamar Jackson, uh, just three and seven against the spread uh, as a favorite. So Uh, The Ravens tend to get more benefit of the doubt in these spots. Could be a close game. And one thing the Texans do have working for them, too, is they practice against a a Lamar Jackson-like quarterback. You know, so even though they haven't faced him, 
uh, they, they do practice against Watson, so that, that could help a little. Uh, but Lamar is just so good that uh, I think it's more of a good football game than when you have like a strong take that one of these teams is going to uh, cover or blow the other one out. Speaking of blowouts, the Cincinnati Bengals got blown out last week by the Baltimore Ravens in quarterback Ryan Finley, the rookie, his first start. Now Cincinnati travels to Oakland. They're 10 and a half point underdogs. The total up at 48 and a half. And 70% of the bets on Oakland, 58% of the money on Oakland, 71% of the public also on the under here, but 54% of the money is on the over. Not a very good defense for either team, really. Uh, so any leans here? And what do you think about uh, all these points that uh, Raiders are, are, are laying here? Look, Brian Finley looked okay at times, you know, for his first start against a good defense. And he'll now be facing a defense that's not going to get pressure and doesn't have corners like the Raiders do. Those are positives. These are the two worst defenses in the NFL in terms of yards per play. The Bengals are about 6.8 yards per play. It's dead last. Oakland's at 6.3, second to last. Um, but let's give credit to and, – and there's some wearing things for the Bengals here. Their linebackers and their safety stink. And that's really what the, you know, the Ravens took advantage of. The Bengals rank 31st in the NFL in covering – tight ends, and running backs. They're giving up 5.2 yards per rush. That's tied with the Panthers for the worst in the NFL. So, you know, you look and you say, okay, Jacobs and Waller should have big days. You know, and let's give credit to Derek Carr, by the way, and that offensive line, because Derek Carr is playing really well. There have been 30 quarterbacks that have had at least 200 dropbacks this year. Derek Carr has had the fewest under pressure, about 26%. So the offensive line playing well. He also gets the ball out quick, and they throw a lot of short passes. But when he's under pressure, he leads all quarterbacks in completion percentage, 62.5%. Adjusted completion percentage, 82.5%. And passer rating, 109.2 under pressure. The only one in the same ballpark is Russell Wilson, who's like just below him. Um, so he's playing really well. I actually lean the Bengals here. And then the over. I say the over every week in, yeah. in the Raiders. They don't play any defense, and, they, and their offense is good. Their offense is really good. And the Bengals – don't match up well. But the Raiders just don't really defend. It's a lot of points in the NFL when your defense stinks. And the Raiders' defense stinks. They're okay against the run, but they can't cover anybody and they get no pressure whatsoever. The Bengals can have some success. A lot of little depend. I mean, AJ, John Ross came off of IR. He can't play this week. If you see that on the bottom line, he's not eligible to return. He's just cleared to practice. AJ Green will help a lot. I don't even know if he's going to play this year. Uh, but I think the Bengals can have some success moving the ball because everyone really does against the Raiders. So I'm as of right now, I'm leaning towards the Bengals and the over. I say it every week. I think the Raiders are six and one to the over in the last seven. The only one that didn't go over was the Texans game, which finished 27, 24, went under by a half point against the close. Some of you hit the over. So really depending on the line, the over could have hit in seven straight games for the Raiders. Yeah. And this, I think there's a good example of when, when you're looking at these lines and, you know, starting to think about these, the game, you see, uh, you can kind of see how the spread and the total relate in, in some situations. If you, you ask yourself, okay, Cincinnati, if I think Cincinnati may be a little bit undervalued here, you know, if this spread is 10 and a half, what would make the spread closer? Would it be more defense in Cincinnati and, and, and Oakland not kind of being able to, to build that big of a lead? Or would it be, you know, Cincinnati playing better on offense because they're undervalued in the market? And I think unlike the Saints game where I think, you know, they could struggle you know, against that Bucks defense just because of how good they've been against running backs. This game is kind of the opposite where the Bengals are probably undervalued. And if, if the spread were to get closer, I think you would, you would think the total would, would go over because the Bengals would play better. So um, that's, that's something that I've been asked in the past. So that's one way to look at it. Uh, let's get to the last game. Speaking of total, this one's a pretty low scoring projected one. Denver at Minnesota Vikings, 10 and a half point favorites getting 63% of the bets, but only 28% of the money. And then the total at 40 and a half with 
the public on the over at a 74% clip, but another one where the only 33% of the money. So it looks like the Sharps are on the Broncos and the under in this one. Yeah, I would lean towards the Broncos. I mean, look, I, I said it before. Brandon Allen coming in. How many Allens are there in the NFL? Brandon Allen coming in was I, maybe an upgrade over Flacco. Flacco's done, and he can't move, and he, he just has looked awful all year. So I didn't even think it was that big of a, da- uh, of a downgrade. Um, it's a lot of points late for the Vikings who, when they get a lead, they just want to sit on the ball and run it, um, and that's it. And they have a bye coming up, so – a lot of it will depend on if Thielen plays. And by the way, Kirk Cousins has been awesome this year. I'll throw that out there. You know, he had some early struggles. But I'm leaning towards the, it's the Broncos, Thielen with a bye on deck. They might just rest him and get him healthy. Oh, that's not, uh, yeah, that seems to be expectation. That should be their main concern anyway for their whole team. And that's what the Vikings do. As soon as they get a lead and they know they're going to win a game, they're just going to pound the ball. Um, and they're just going to run it, run it, run it, and then rely on their defense. I think there's a little bit of, of value on the Broncos here coming off of a bye um, in what should be a low-scoring game. I mean, if you look at the total right now, the total is down to 40. Uh, it's uh, open 30 and a half. It's up to 40-ish, and yeah. which makes 10 and a half points pretty intriguing. And, you know, the, the, the Broncos didn't look like a complete dumpster fire against the Browns at home with Brandon Allen's first start. They now have had a bye to get them more acclimated with the offense. and. I'll say it again. The defense is playing really well. I'm always going to look at the team catching 10 and a half. Yeah. You know, the only thing, you know, Mike Zimmer tends to to do well in these spots uh, covering, but uh, I think I liked the the Vikings more last week, you know, getting points going on the road against the Cowboys. Now this is a game where, I mean, they could easily win it like nine to three or something like that. Uh, So more of a stay away for me. Uh, Let's wrap things up with our survivor pool pick of the week. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. Stuck. I somehow, somehow survived last week because we talked about going with the, the Colts and I said, hey, I don't know. I don't know, man. No, I did. I've, been, I've done twice and you're still alive. <laughs> uh, you know, if you went with the Colts last week, it, it was a tough week for you, but hopefully you are still alive. Uh, you know, I'll continue to give these picks uh, each week until I, I uh, bow out, but Already have used the Seahawks, Texans, the Cowboys, the Chargers, Eagles, Pats, Bills, Vikes, Niners, and the Baltimore Ravens. So now, you know, it's getting a little tighter out there, uh, you know, this week with all of those teams being used already. I think you got to go with the Oakland Raiders here. If you look at their, their point spread, they are favored by 10 and a half. One of the biggest of the week. I think there's some uncertainty with the 49ers. You know, George Kittle, pretty sure he's probably going to miss the game. Emmanuel Sanders, uh, status in doubt as well. So this Raider team, it's an average team going against a really bad team. Uh, if they get into trouble, they should be able to outscore the Bengals, uh, even if their defense plays poorly. So going with the Raiders, this is one of those ugly weeks in Survivor, but going with the Oakland Raiders stuck. Uh, any thoughts? Who would you pick if you couldn't bet the Raiders, which sounds crazy? Um, I think this week – you probably have to go with the Vikings. Yeah, I think the Vikings, and you know, or if you haven't used the Rams, I think the Rams are a, a good option as well. Yeah, the, even the Rams scare me, to be honest. I mean, I, they do. It's a yeah, tough week. It, so it, it really depends on who you've used, um, and you know, you want to project. You know, for like so for next week, if you looked at next week, like the Rams, the Rams schedule down the stretch. If you haven't used them. You know, because you're going to start running out of teams to use. They have the Ravens next week. Then they're at the Cardinals. Then they're home against the Seahawks. Then they're at Dallas. Then they're at San Fran. So, you know, week 17, they're home against Arizona. But you don't want to worry about week 17 yet. So, 
Um, the, the, the Rams, if you haven't used them yet, this is probably the only opportunity you would want to use them all year. So that's one of the cases for them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I think Raiders, kind of a similar situation. You could probably make a case for them against the, the Jets, but that's in New York, West Coast traveling to East Coast. Frisky Jets team that kind of wins when you least expect it. So, uh, yeah, going with the Raiders this week against the Bengals. And this does it for another episode of the Action Network podcast, NFL betting edition. Be sure to follow Stucky at Stucky2 on Twitter uh, and myself at Chris Raybon. And you can follow us at the same handles on the Action Network app, where again, you can get live odds, in-game win probabilities, and track every bet that you make. Good luck this weekend. Let's get this money. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.